Hey, welcome to the Airbrand Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 18 of So What We Doing? Today, I have the pleasure of having Brittany Reed today. She's an author. Um, she's a business owner as well of Sankofa Books, and she's also a teacher. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> no problem. So i like to start off with a question of, so are you living your best life for you? Ooh, that's such a heavy question. Um, when I hear it, there's a lot that goes through my mind. Like, well, what does even my best life for me like look like? So, <laughs> I want to say yes. Ideally, um. I like to think that the things that I'm doing right now and the places I'm occupying right now are for me. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. So yeah, if it's for me, then it's happening for me. And that is what my best life looks like, like doing what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be doing it, how I'm supposed to be doing it. If I'm doing that now, I'm not sure. <laughs> But I know, I feel like I have a good idea of what that would look like. And I'm making strides towards achieving that. So, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nobody can uh, take away what's for you, essentially, anyway. Mm-hmm. It's yours to claim. But if you allow someone to take it away, then maybe it wasn't meant for you. Correct. So, but yeah, yeah. good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So, would you say you were born to do something with books because your last name? So, my last name is Reed, R E E D, which is, I just found out a plant. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I would say my last name gives me like a lot of, um, like, clever ways to come up with like wording certain things especially like on social media talking about like books and stuff which is really cool because I have like my teacher page is read with Miss Reed so that's like a fun um like play on words my students ask me that all the time like oh if you're Miss Reed then you obviously love to read and that's why you became a teacher so they ask me that every year um but I would say so like I've I've loved books for as long as I can remember, I've loved reading and writing as for as long as I could remember. So it could very well be the case. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's good because you said it's a plant. So you basically unplanting seeds in these kids' lives, e- even adults as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you you never know what type of impact you can make. Yeah, that's the goal. Make a big impact for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what made you want to write a children's book? Um, the idea came to me. It was like the idea with me, was with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think, of course, in teaching students, I worked with elementary school and then I worked with middle school and now I'm in high school, like teaching high school. Um, but teaching elementary school was so fulfilling, but also like heartbreaking 
And I wanted, first of all, I became a teacher because I wanted to be who I needed when I was younger. So in teaching elementary school, I saw in our boys, in young black boys, like they were very well, they were very, they were expressive, but they were expressive in a way that was just anger or excitement. Mm -hmm. And so when their feelings were hurt, when they were sad, when they were, you know, they felt, you know, any emotion, it was just displayed as like anger and like they would, they would act out in these ways that like a lot of people would just say, oh, they're just being boys. But particularly the black boys, I just saw such a, like a, like a concentration of these behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it was really heartbreaking because I know in a few years, they'll be considered like a threat. And if they didn't know how to work through all the things that they're feeling in a way that's like safe and healthy for them and the people around them and the people who are looking at them, then that could mean something really bad for them. They could be in in danger. And we see, we've seen it on the news for a long time. Unfortunately, like we know black boys, black men are seen as like these threats. So I saw their outbursts and they're like nine and they're they're these little boys and and all i'm seeing is like anger and it it caused me to be like really worried so i wrote imani takes a deep breath for my best friend who is a guy and he tells me all the time about like growing up as a boy as a black boy you're just receiving all these messages of like what it means to be a man what it means to be a boy and all the messages that he receives are so negative you have to be hard. You have to be physical. You have to be like violence is applauded and um, toxicity is applauded and like objectifying women is uh, is applauded and and so you just as a black man, I've learned through being best friends with him and being a teacher and having brothers. You're really taught as a man to just kind of stifle away anything you're feeling that's not anger, and so everything you are feeling comes out as anger and it's processed that way. And that's just really heartbreaking for me. So I wrote Imani Takes a Deep Breath as a tool for kids, but specifically boys, Black boys, to learn how to process what they're feeling, process their emotions in a way that's like safe for them and everybody around them and making it okay and trying to normalize feelings. Um yeah. And so throughout the book, Imani's going through all these different situations and it's making him feel different things, but he can always take this deep breath and this pause to kind of figure out like, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And how can I respond in a way that's okay? Um, so yeah, that was the inspiration behind Imani Takes a Deep Breath. But writing for kids in general, I'm always of the mindset of like, what did I need when I was a child? And an adolescent. And what do I see in my students that I get to teach? Like, what do they need? And how can I supply that in, in books, in writing? Yeah. So you, so you definitely are playing Because they're, like, you're getting outside of the box with um, young black boys getting um, categorized like that. Yeah. Like, you're making a change within and within them so when they grow into a young man they remember that yeah 
I that's what I want, like something for like a tool for young kids to have and they can mm. remember it as they grow older. Because I remember kids um, books I read as a kid um, and they're like a, they're a pretty part important part of your like um, core memories. So yeah. I just wanted to add something that like that would also help them. Yeah, it definitely sticks out. I've read it. Um, yeah, even like yeah, adults need to take a deep breath as well. Oh, for but, sure. Um, yeah, you you got something good there with that. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. So, speaking of books, about your now about your other book. So what's the inspiration behind the cover art for your book, The Loud Silence? So this Loud Silence is a book of poetry. And when read in order, it kind of tells a big part of my story, like my life story, my life experience, whatever. Um, and so on the cover is an anatomical heart, like a human heart, but like there's flowers growing out of it. And it was inspired by my tattoo. But my tattoo, um, actually one of my students uh, designed this tattoo for me. And I got the tattoo and then I also made it the cover of my book of poetry. Um, I'm really sensitive. So <laughs> I'm always like, I'm very feelings oriented, like emotional, emotionally oriented, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, most people think with like logic first, I first, I first connect with how I feel (laughs) in response to like everything. I'm very sensitive. Um, and I think I chose that as the, there's a few reasons I I chose it as the cover. People who are more sensitive and more like feelings oriented and emotionally aware, like more so than others, people tend to count us as like really weak. Like being sensitive is a weakness and yeah. people perceive it that way. And so they treat you as if you're weak. But I would say like in the last like year, I've I've been intentional about like embracing that as as a strength um, because I lean into how I feel and I don't try to like run away from it. Um, so that was kind of like that you know, speaking to that and making that the cover that of the book that tells my story. And then another thing is like, um, I love flowers, honestly. <laughs> I love flowers and I love art. Uh, I mean, I love love. And that's why I put the heart and flowers. I love both of those things. And the it also represents to me like growth. Um, when I got the tattoo, I was coming out of like a heartbreak <laughs> or I was like at the beginning of getting over a heartbreak okay. and so I got the tattoo and that to me was like a symbol of like okay you can grow past this like your heart might be broken but like beautiful things can grow out of your heart still like you know um so I just made it the cover art I feel like it really represents where I was at the time where I got the tattoo and like the message that I wanted to kind of like go along with the book of poetry so yeah yeah, that's dope. Um, uh, it kind of spoke to me because, like, throughout, I talked this about um, on previous episodes, but throughout college, um, I, I dealt with hurt as well. So mm-hmm. I, um, and I'm a lover of love as well, also, but 
I began to draw everything according to love and I was drawing a human heart. Like whether it applied with music or a broken heart, whether it was in sculpture or ceramics, um, I was doing it. I even drew the Tin Man because he didn't have a heart. So, but yeah, so I connect with that really well. And it's on the way here, actually. So I should get it next week. So, okay. Oh, let me know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's that's perfect. Mm-hmm. So tell the tell the listeners about what more that you offer. Um. So besides being a teacher and besides publishing two books, um, I own Sankofa Books. It started off as an online bookstore for Black books written by Black mm-hmm. people. So books that I consider to be classics, books that I enjoy, just I'm I'm really passionate about Black literature. So books from across the African diaspora, from the continents, from the South here, the Caribbean, um, mm-hmm. Black people were all over the world. And I just, I really want to read everything we've ever written. So I created an online bookstore kind of celebrating the written works of Black thinkers. Um but recently I relaunched it and it now includes um, it's now also a literary agency so what that means is I offer services for writing um, editing, publishing, proofreading um, consultations, just planning Um, yeah so anybody who would want to like write a book um, and or if they've written a book, they just need it proofread or edited or published. I offer those services, so that's Sankofa Books. <laughs> I like that. See, I'm writing a book as well, so I'll definitely be in touch about that. Definitely. Yeah, and then what is it? I'm start. Well, I had to put it on a hold because my book was supposed to come first, but I'm working on a comic book company with um some friends of mine okay um, yeah we got all the characters laid out the uh the logo of course and the name of the company and all that we just got to okay. write and do the storyboards that sounds dope what's the name yeah. of it oh okay mm. <laughs> They, um, if he listens to this, he will kill me. Cause he's like, no, I thought we weren't telling anybody. Yeah, don't tell me. I can tell. I'll tell you after. But yeah, okay. he's, <laughs> yeah, he probably kill me. Like, so that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> but so, but yeah, that's that's dope though. I right, I'm definitely gonna keep that in mind. So, with your book, uh, Amani takes a um breath. So would you want to turn your books into like a series to and then eventually like a TV show? Yes, I've thought about um making like animating it. Um definitely turning it into like a like a short film on like YouTube or something. Kind of mm-hmm. like Gracie like Gracie's Corner. Um oh, yeah. I love Gracie's Corner. Um that's definitely like a future goal um when I'm able to like afford it. 
but as far as like the series like i would love to make it a book series um kind of revolving around like imani and his family and or his friends and him like growing up um i would love to do that i have a nephew now i have a new nephew and i want i want to like just write books that he can have um that would help him and that he can see himself in um so that's one of my goals is to by the end of this year actually write the next book of the series and then by the following year you know publish it yeah that'd be perfect man it's on my vision board for 2023 so i got a few more months left to get it (laughs) to get it done you you definitely you definitely live in your best life for you because you you plan it out like definitely what's important to you so i try yeah it seems like you you probably got it all figured out but it just has to go according to plan Mm -hmm. definitely you can't just plan i gotta put the action behind it too yeah yeah so when you was talking about your nephew that leads me to my other question Mm -hmm. so how um how important is representation in your books oh representation in literature is like the core of my passion for for reading and literature um when when i i read a lot as as a kid but i wasn't reading books where the characters were anything like me um so i didn't have a lot of representation in what i was reading and so when i finally came across books that centered black girls i just couldn't get enough um the first book that really and i've talked about this i could talk about it all day my angelo's i know why the cage bird sings her first um autobiography um it it changed my life right? because here was a strong black intelligent beautiful woman telling her story and i had just never had access to that before like i just didn't know anything like about that and it started off with her and I just like to this day I'm still exploring I'm still coming across like new stories I want to read but I I can't get enough of of black books of black literature and I it's so important to me because when you're a kid and nothing you're consuming or rather this when you're a kid and everything you're consuming is centered around people who don't look like you, people who don't sound like you, who don't act like you, who don't eat the foods you're growing up eating, who don't go through the same experiences. You you believe that like you're insignificant. You start to believe like you and your experience doesn't matter. It might be abnormal or it's like less than what you're seeing in the things that you're consuming. And that's how we came, I mean, that's how we came to have all these really Eurocentric ideals, right? Um, Someone somewhere decided that that was better than everything else. And that's what represents, that is what has been represented in our media, in our literature, in our everything. So kids see that and they begin to internalize, well, I either need to be like what the majority of the media is showing or it's not good. And so 
That's why representation is so important in general and to me because I, I had that experience. I was, you know, not able to see myself in a lot of things. So, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, you're right. Because I'm um, definitely at a young age, like whether it's books, um, TVs or movies, they have programmed the black community to like hate ourselves or just not actually see ourselves for who we are because black is beautiful like in different shades and shapes and sizes so that representation definitely does matter a lot and it inspires um especially younger kids it inspires mm-hmm. them like seeing that joy on their in their eyes because mm-hmm. i remember when i um worked with kids and seeing it at the christmas parties and stuff Mm-hmm. getting things that they wanted so that aligned with that so mm-hmm. so do you feel like you are using your voice when you write your books um I feel like that's the only way I use my voice through writing I'm not a very um outspoken person um I feel most empowered and empowering when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside of like my classroom, outside of sitting down and writing something, I don't feel like I'm using my voice. But when I'm doing those two things, I know for sure I am. And I feel heard. Um, and I feel like I'm able to use my voice, whatever, whatever that has to offer. Uh, in a positive way and I'm very passionate and I'm very intentional about using my voice to uplift and empower especially young people um yeah 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 you answered these perfectly um, <laughs> yeah yeah cause like even when people like, cause I, I know this question about your voice, but even people with, um, that are deaf, mm-hmm. they, they still have a voice and with their sign language and they can still get their point across. And I believe make an impact on people. It's because mm-hmm. so many people that, um, have learned sign language that, so they can make an impact, they even connect with these people. Cause they, mm-hmm. they, that's inspiring. to for somebody to, be able to not really like hear but they but you can hear them mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. so communication is great <laughs> yeah a lot of th- a lot of people think of the word language as if like speaking yeah and that was something actually a friend of mine it really it really touched me when she told me this and I've I've carried it with me since she was like most people's voice, like when we say voice and when we say language, like most of us think of something that's like audible, something we can hear using your mouth to speak, right? And she was like, Well, that's just not where your voice is. Your voice is in your your voice is in your pen and that's that's fine. Like she because she knows I'm introverted. So we were having this conversation about, you know, the same question around your voice. And she was like, Well so most people's voice, you know, is their voice, like that comes out of their mouth, but other you speak in so many other ways. Um, yeah. and it was really uplifting and empowering to me. Um, 
and I've carried it with me since. It's just a lot of the time when you don't like people talk a lot, right? And so when you don't, yeah. people think it's like a weird thing. Um, so I've always felt weird about it, but she made it very something I can accept. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always people like that. Um, they all, there's um, that stereotype about the quiet kids and stuff, but um, or people yeah, that are quiet. Yeah, so. I actually yeah. just uh, just retweeted something today. Um, it was like, I hate. <laughs> I hate when people say, oh, you're so quiet. The person was like, what do you want me to do, freestyle? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's so true. Like, I'm yeah. not bothering you. I'm not bothering you by being quiet. I can hear you better when I'm quiet. Like, just, yeah. what's the problem? What do you want me to do, perform? <laughs> yeah. Just, just, yeah, just break out in a freestyle. Yeah, like, what do It's even worse, like, like I have noticed like growing up even as an adult, um, it makes people uncomfortable, but even more so people of the <laughs> other race. Like 'cause they're like in their minds like, what are they planning or something? No, I'm just I'm just living. Like I'm just not planning living. anything. Yeah. Um like, comfortable silence is something that I really like every time I come across it like on like a post or something. I really like the idea of like comfortable silence because I'm weary of people who are uncomfortable in silence. Yeah, because like, you, you want to be loud the whole time? time. Yeah, like why do you need to be talking all the time? Or why does something need to be happening every second? Um, and so being able to like sit in comfortable silence, not just by myself, but like with another person, that's something that I really value and treasure because like we don't have to be speaking all the time. We can just be. We can just be thinking or like not thinking, um, yeah. you know, like everything around us. Just a vibe. Yeah. Yeah, just a vibe. Everything around us is so overly stimulating. I really, really value when I'm able to just kind of like sit and be with a person um, and just not feel the need to like do much or say much. Um, those are like some of my favorite moments. That's perfect. Yeah, people they don't they don't get it. That's like that's the language within itself, being quiet. Yeah, there's this um thing I also retweeted recently. It said like comfortable silence is a is also a love language. And I think I think that's one of my like <laughs> that is just something that I really treasure, I really value. So Yeah. Adding it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> So you kind of answered this question already, but, um, well, you spoke of one of them already. So what poets have inspired you? Definitely Maya Angelou, top of the list. <laughs> um, Nikki Giovanni, Gwendolyn Brooks, Lucille Clifton, Langston Hughes, um, Edgar Allan Poe, which is like <laughs> so far, like, away from the other people in the group that I've listed, but I, people who are like into literature or become like English majors or something, at some point in your adolescence, you go through an Edgar Allan Poe phase. And I went through mine. <laughs> and yeah. Edgar Allan Poe is like this 
white guy from, I want to say like, I don't even know. I don't even know the, what dates to call out. But anyway, he's he's like, he's one of those in the school curriculum that you got to know about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and his style of writing is like very dark, brooding, very like, it's it's very dark. But he hits on a lot of things that are very like universally experienced as you go through your angsty years. So yeah. I put him in the list because I went through a heavy Edgar Allan Poe vape. Um... I think I said Nikki Giovanni and Langston Hughes already. I James Baldwin isn't a poet, but he's a poet. Like just listening to him talk, he's he's one of my favorite thinkers. Um, and I put him in the in in the group with poets because I think I could listen to him talk all day. Like I could listen to him talk all day. I don't know if he's ever like published poems. Um, but he's, he, he's definitely one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite thinkers for true. And I'm gonna throw him in there with the poets because I think to hear him speak is to listen to poetry. Yeah. 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 I definitely grew up with Edgar Allan Poe, of course, and l- learning the love through the poems of Langston Hughes. Mm. So, that's even, that's not a bad list. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can't go wrong with Maya Angelou. You of see, course. she's on the quarter now too, right? I saw I'm trying to get my hands on the quarter for sure. I got a few of them. You do? Yeah, I I have a few of them. How did you? How did that happen? Because I um like one of my other jobs, so I work. I'm assistant manager at this store, but um, I've seen the quarters, so I exchanged my quarters for the Maya Angelou quarters. What do I have to do? With the quarters? I can well, we we can figure that out. We can Great. Figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, love, uh, I, even, I even one of my tattoos is inspired inspired by her. I don't know if you can. Where am I gonna get you to see this? Uh oh, there we go. <laughs> Still out. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I try to get some of the customers, and it and I, because I, I, I'm so animated sometimes. Like I tell most of the black customers, because I'm like they should know, and then when they don't know, I was like, I don't think I should give them their change back, because <laughs> I'm trying to. I was like, give people you know, their change, <laughs> please. But I tell them because I'm like, I said, you know, she's on the quarter. They're like, who is that? I said, give me. One dude, he didn't know. Then he came back in, and I like he she he knew. He's like, "Yeah, can you switch the quarter?" I said, "Uh huh, all right." <laughs> you made him feel shit. Mhm. But <laughs> so speaking of artists, so what artists have inspired you in your writing? Because essentially they are poets as well. So like, according to music, because they're that, that's a form of poetry. The music artist? Yeah. Oh, I can talk about this all day too. <laughs> so I am really into like lyrics of a song. Um, I love I mean you're right, it's essentially poetry. So the production of a song for sure and the lyrics like are mm. huge to me. Yeah. So Stevie Wonder is my favorite music artist of all time. 
of all time number one top of my list not gonna change ever i got you <laughs> and lyrically production wise um just compositionally like he's just so amazing I just, I, i'm not even gonna get into it because i'll be the rest of the podcast episode will be about stevie wonder but um he's number one for sure Okay. Um, his lyrics, his lyrics, unmatched, beautiful. Um, he wrote uh, "It Knocks Me Off My Feet." He write, writes, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, like we lay beneath the stars under a lover's tree that's seen through the eyes of my mind, and I reach out for the part of you that only our two hearts can find. What? <laughs> what? Like, anyway, I'm going to get off of Stevie because, <laughs> but I would definitely say Stevie Wonder. Um, Donnie Hathaway is another one I could talk about for a long time, too. Same thing, lyrics and composition. He's a mm. classically trained pianist. Him and Roberta Flack, they went to Howard together. And they, they are like a dynamic duo musically. They're both classically trained uh, pianists, but like, like, they truly understood like the structure of music, like Ugh. They're just geniuses together. So I would say Stevie, Donnie, Donnie Hathaway, Roberta Flack as well. Um, Lauren Hill, for sure. Her pen is crazy. Um, insane. Um, Anita Baker. Anita Baker, not just vocally, her voice is insane, but she also writes her songs. She wrote her songs. She's not dead. Um, she wrote her songs. Um, Oh man, it's a long list. That is a long list of music artists that I could really, that I appreciate, and I never get tired of listening to them. Luther, um, Prince, uh, a lot of neo soul artists, uh, Erica Badu, Maxwell, D'Angelo, um, and newly added to like my appreciation is Victoria Monet. That girl, yeah, yeah, can yeah. write. She could write yeah. and she could produce. Like her, she has a, a a really she has the strength the the same strong appreciation of instruments that I do, and you could tell by the way she produces her songs. Yeah, she's always gonna give you live instruments, and I love that. And she's nice with the pen, so I don't know that lo- that list is super long. But at the top of it is Stevie, Donnie, Anita, and Roberta Flack. Okay. And Al Green. Al Green. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Al Green. Go listen to Simply Beautiful and uh, For the Good Times. For the Good Times by Al Green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unmatched. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure we, we sound like we probably grew up listening to the same music. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I tell everybody, I'm really like 65 years old. I'm not even, I'm not too old. I'm really 65. <laughs> and not everybody listens to the music. Like, if you play it, some people are like, you listen to that? So you like old music. And I'm like, you can go ahead and get out my car. Right. <laughs> you, you don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I know you have a playlist on Spotify that mm-hmm. you, um, when they read your book, they post a play it. Yeah. Um, so when I read, I listen to music 
um, a lot of the time it's not any like there's no vocals or there's no like words because obviously you're reading, you need to focus. But I like to listen to instrumentals or mostly classical music when I read. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reading like a book of poetry where like, you know, it's shorter, it's less to digest. Um, I might like listen to music. So this playlist is inspired by my book of poetry. It has songs on there that kind of like match the mood of each section of the book. Um, or it could just be songs that I love. And so I kind of, I tried to curate it to like where if a person is reading like the first section of the book, these are the songs that go into it with, go along with that section and so on and so forth. So I don't know if I did it in the right order. Doesn't matter. (laughs) I I love a playlist. I love playlists. Um, So I just kind of wanted to create create one that goes along with some of the themes in my book of poetry. Okay. Yeah, that's the love language too. Making plays for yeah. sure. So, the final question of the hour. Mm-hmm. So, do you do you want to move hills or do you want to move mountains? Oof. Moving mountains sounds like a really big responsibility. <laughs> um. When I, when I hear that question, I'm trying to figure out, like, what's the difference between, like, a mountain and a hill? But I would have to say if mountains are known to be, like, huge and overwhelmingly big, like, larger than life, and hills are things that you can kind of, like, tackle. Like, you could you could climb a hill and you could probably do it safely and on your own, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Drive over one, whatever. Yeah. Mountains are more taxing, um, riskier, larger, way more overwhelming. Um, I feel like as a teacher, I might be moving some hills. (laughs) Um, hopefully I've impacted some lives positively. That's the Mm -hmm. goal. Some days, a lot of days, it feels like I'm fighting against mountains. When I think of mountains, I think of like institutions that like feel like they're out of my control. So like the institutions that this country was founded on that might keep the education system from progressing the way it needs to. That feels like a mountain. That feels like a mountain. But what, when I think about hills, I think about like the day my students actually connect with something we're reading in class or the day my students express themselves through writing, the day my students are actually like engaging and paying attention. That feels like a hill that I can move. Yeah. Um, the ultimate goal is to move mountains for sure. But <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> I'm okay with moving some hills. <laughs> it's a good yeah. day if I move a hill. It's a good day if I move a hill. Yeah, you're working your way up. But yeah. like, like you said, you're planting them seeds, so you definitely can inspire the kids that you're teaching to eventually move mountains. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was definitely probably like the best answer to that question. Like, especially the way you broke it down. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's usually the end. Do you want to, um, 
you can well you already spoke about your book but you can tell them the your instagram page and stuff where to find it if yeah you want to. Okay. i'm on instagram as at brie brie reads um b-r-i-b-r-i-r-e-a-d-s like reads a book <laughs> And uh, in my bio, you can find the links to my books and my bookstore and my other website. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, definitely. Y'all definitely need to buy both of the books <laughs> and the, the ones that come. Um, I'm Jay Air. This has been the Airbrand Podcast. You can. Follow me on Instagram at Jared to the Throne, Jair Solo, um, and also on TikTok as uh, Relatable Nostalgia. All right. <laughs> Thanks for having me.